This morning we talked about the same no more, the same no more. And hopefully you listened to that sermon this morning. I encourage you to go back and listen to it and share it with your friends and family and kind of just, uh, uh, you know, rehearse it in your spirit, get it in your spirit. So tonight uh, we're talking about, I don't really have a title. I don't have a title to my sermon. Uh, I just want to share scripture with you. And um, it's found in Mark chapter 8 and beginning with verse number 22, Mark chapter 8, verse number 22. And listen to the words of St. Mark. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him, and they begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and he spit on his eyes and put his hands on him and asked him if he saw anything. The man looked up and said, I see men walking as trees. Then he put his hands on him again and made him to look, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the house or tell anyone in the town. So this is a, um, a familiar passage of scripture. Um, this is an odd uh, story. You know why this is odd? Now, listen to this story. There's this man who was blind. Uh, yes, this man is blind. And the Bible says um, they was in Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to him, begged him to touch him. So they took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. So, so there's a blind man in Bethsaida, but they bring him, they take him by the hand and lead him out of the town. And then Jesus um, spits in the man's eyes. The man, you know, the Bible says he, he spit in the man's eyes and had him to look. And the man saw men walking as trees. Then Jesus put his hands on him again, and his sight was restored clearly. Now, isn't that an odd scripture? Here's a man. Get this story. This is a man who was blind. He's in the town of Bethsaida, and the Bible says they, supposing the disciples, took him by the hand and led him out of the town. Then Jesus spits on man's eyes and asks the man, what, he, what does he see? And the man said, I see men as trees walking around. And then Jesus prays for the man again, and his eyes was restored completely, and he saw everything clearly. Now, that's the story. Now, what in the world can we learn from this story tonight? It's an intriguing story, but it's a powerful story that demonstrates how God progressively works in our life. So this is a story to demonstrate to us how God progressively works in our life. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these notes down, all right? These are some life principles from Mark chapter number eight. Number one, God works in stages. God works in stages. Everybody say that with me. God works in stages. You see, you don't, be you don't become overnight. Becoming is a process. Becoming happens in stages. God works in stages. When God looks at you, his, his, he, he has forgiven you. He has redeemed you totally at conversion, but your growth happens in stages. Sometimes we see the big picture, but it's good to see the big picture, but we get discouraged sometimes because of the big picture, because we want to get there right now. We want to, we want to achieve it right now, but the way the Holy Spirit works, he grows us in stages. Somebody said it like this. I'm not what I used to be. 
I'm not everything I should be, but thank God I am not going back. Can you say that with me? I'm not going back. I'm not who I need to be. I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not going to go back. And you got to have that determination. You got to have that tenacity, that bulldog tenacity that you're going forward. And the way that the Holy Spirit works in our life is he works in stages. How do I know that? The man was prayed for by Jesus one time and Jesus prayed for the man by spitting in the man's eyes. The man was not completely healed. He saw something, but it wasn't clearly. All right. It wasn't clear. But Jesus prayed for the man again, and the man saw all things clearly. So you see, you see the life principle in this story? There was some progression with the first touch, but it was with the second touch, there was full restoration. In other words, there is progression with God. God works in stages, and every time God works in stages in our life, we see things more clearly. The first time the man was prayed for, Jesus prayed for him by spitting in his eyes. But the man saw something, but he didn't see it clearly. But when Jesus prayed for him the second time, he saw all things clearly because that's how the Holy Spirit works. He works in stages. He works in developmental processes. The Holy Spirit works through processes. He works through stages. He, he works through development. You see, you are not going to be everything you need to be overnight. You're not going to be everything you need to be overnight. Some of you get discouraged and you say, you know what? I should be further along than I, should, than I was last year. Well, maybe you should be, but let's look at it like this. As long as I'm going in the right direction, it is not about pace that matters. It is about direction. It's not pace, it's direction. Hallelujah. You see, it's God works in stages. God works in a developmental process. And this man, every time the man was prayed for, he saw all things clearly. He, The first time he saw, but he didn't see clearly. You see, it was the second touch, the second prayer. He saw all things clearly because as you grow with the Lord, how many knows you see all things clearly? You Things begin to make sense. Right now, by the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you, when you look at your life, there are some things that don't make sense. But I promise you, if you keep in the right direction and you keep growing in the Lord, you're going to look back and you're going to be like this man and all things will make sense. Things will become clear to you because you grow in stages. You grow in development. Hallelujah. So listen, don't get discouraged that you're not there yet. Don't get discouraged that you're not everything you need to be. I want you to be encouraged because you're in the right direction. So number one, God works in stages. Number two, not only does God work in stages, but you got to be in the right direction. You got to be in the right direction. How many knows that you can be in a, God, you can be growing in stages, but you can be growing in stages in the wrong direction. That's what we call backslide. You can be growing in, you can be growing in stages in the wrong direction. How many knows that you can grow the opposite. You can grow in the wrong direction. You can go the wrong direction. Well, listen, the Bible says in verse number 23, this blind man was blind. And the very first thing that happens to this blind man is they took him by the hand and brought him out of the town. They took him 
by the hand and brought the blind man out of town. Now, why is that important? Because the Bible says in verse 22, the man is in a town called Bethsaida. And do you know if you did a little bit of research in the Synoptic Gospels, if you do a little bit of research, you'll find that Bethsaida, Chorazim, and Capernaum, those three cities was cursed by Jesus because of their unbelief. Hallelujah. I think that's found around Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 11, somewhere around there. Jesus curses the city of Bethsaida, Chorazim, and Capernaum. So that tells me in the story, the men took this blind man out of the city. Why did they take him out of the city? Because in the other gospel, the city was cursed because of their unbelief. So if the man was going to receive his healing, he had to be brought out of the curse. He had to be brought out of the cursed town. So number one, not only does God work in stages, not only does God work in a developmental process, but number two, you've got to grow in stages in the right direction. This man was brought out of the town and he was brought out of the town so that he could go in the right direction. He was in the wrong direction. He was in the wrong town. And he had to be brought out of the town to go in the right direction. Let me tell you something. The reason that God brings you out of sin, the reason that God brings you out of financial difficulty, the reason that God brings you out of distress, the reason that God brings you out of things that are difficult and problems, things that perplex us and vex us. The reason that God brings us out is not to set us on our feet so that we can go back to what the, me the mess is, but he brings us out of it to give us the strength to go the opposite direction. You see, it was kind of like Lot's wife. She was brought out of Sodom and Gomorrah. She was brought out. Why was she brought out? She was brought out to go the opposite direction. It matters what direction you're going in. But what happens to Lot's wife? She looked back and she turned to a pillar of salt. Listen, you can be moving, but you could be moving in the wrong direction. And so number one, not only does God work in stages and developmental processes, but number two, you've got to be in the right direction. The man was brought out of the town because he was in a cursed town. He had to be brought out of town because he had to go in the right direction. Somebody say amen. Listen, when you are brought, when you, when you are going in the right direction and when you have the proper mindset that God works in stages, that growth don't happen overnight, how do you know you're growing? How do you know you're growing? Number one, you know you're growing when you have an appetite. Somebody say appetite. You know you're growing when you have an appetite. Any person who is growing physically is going to have an appetite. So you know you're growing spiritually when there is a fresh appetite, an appetite for the word of God, appetite for fellowship, appetite, appetite for community, appetite for spiritual disciplines, appetite for God to do. You got to have an appetite. You got to have a hunger. Number one, you got to have a How do I know I'm growing? Number one, you got to have an appetite. Number two, how do I know I'm growing? Number two, you know you're growing when you discharge of waste. Every living thing, every living thing will discharge of its waste. And number two, you know you're growing when you discharge of waste. And listen, there comes a time in your life you got to cut off the wrong relationships. You got to cut off the wasteful things in your life. You get rid of the wrong habits, the wrong relationships, the stinking thinking. You got to get rid of the wasteful stuff in your life. You got to shed that stuff. You got to walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do I know I'm growing? I'm growing because I have an appetite. Number two, I'm growing because I'm growing because there is uh, there's a discharge of waste in my life. I know I'm growing. Number three, when I reproduce, you 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 know you're growing when you give back 
for you give back to what was given to you. You're not called to be selfish. You're not called to hoard things. You're called to give. Giving and generosity is the mark of a growing Christian. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about generosity in all things. Generosity, giving for God so loved the world. It's about giving, generosity. That is the mark of a growing person. Amen. Amen. And there's uh, there's other things that we could list, but those are three important things, indicators to know that I am growing. And the last one I want to say is, you know, you're growing when you walk in the law of love. You see, in the look at the first, the book of uh, first and second Corinthians, Paul said that if you could speak with tongues as men and angels and you can do you can preach this and you can do this. But if you don't have love, you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So you've got to walk in love. It's the attitude towards our brothers and our sisters. Amen. So th th those are a few things to indicate that we're walking in love. What can I learn in the story tonight? You learn in the story that God works in stages. Number two, you learn in the story that you got to be in the right direction. Number one, God works in stages. How do I know that? Because the man was prayed for once. How did Jesus pray for him? He spit in, it out, he spit, he spit in his eyes but he didn't see everything clearly. But Jesus prayed for him again and he saw all things clearly. So God works in stages. He works in, in a developmental process. Number two, you got to go in the right direction. Amen. So number two, this man was brought out of the town so that he can be facing the right direction. He can go in the right direction, brought out of curse. I mean, there's another sermon to that. If you're gonna if you're gonna progress in God, you gotta be you gotta be removed from the curse. You gotta be removed from the sin. You see, Bethsaida, Chorazim, and Capernaum was cursed. The man had to be brought. He had to be brought out of the cursed city. He had to be brought out of the cursed town. And so, and so, number one, you got to be in the right direction. You got to be brought out of the curse. You got to be brought out of the sin. If you're going to let God mold you, make you, shape you, grow you in stages, you got to be brought out of the curse. You got to be brought out of the sin. And you're going to be facing the right direction. The last thing I want you to see is there are two touches the Lord wants to do in your life. The first touch is called the uh, the first touch is called the intellectual touch, and the second touch is called the experiential touch. You see, not only does God want to touch you intellectually, not only does God want to move on your mind. You see, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You're not supposed to check your mind out at the front door. We are called to be logical. We're called to use our minds. We're called to be a reasonable people. So God works with the mind. How can they hear, the Bible says, without a preacher? You see, how can they hear without a preacher? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. It's built by your logic, by hearing the word. So number one, there has to be an intellectual touch. The reason that somebody gets saved is because they not only is the Holy Spirit working in them and convicting them, but they also give mental assent to the gospel. God works at the mind, number one, mind. And number two, there has to be an experiential touch. The man was prayed for again, and he saw all things clearly. There's a second touch called the experiential touch. Not only do you know about it, but you have experienced it. Not only do I know that Jesus can forgive me, but I've experienced it. Not only do I read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and give mental assent to it, but I have experienced it. You see, God wants you to experience it, not only give mental assent to it, but also experience it. How do I see that? If you're just giving mental assent to the word, you're going to be like this man. The spit was in his eyes, but he did not see everything clearly. And if all you have is intellectual reasoning, you're not going to see all things clearly. 
you see, but it's the second touch that the man saw all things clearly. Sometimes it is having an experience, the experiential touch that causes us to see all things clearly. Can I hear an amen tonight? Amen. Intellectual touch and an experiential touch. The first touch, he didn't see all things clearly, but the second touch, he saw all things clearly. You see, well, pastor, how how is that truth found elsewhere in scripture? Yes, it is. What about the Pharisees and Sadducees? They were so They were so intellectually smart. They knew the word of God but they didn't experience it. And because they didn't experience it, they missed the Messiah. You see what, they were closed off mentally. Listen, I'm not against education. I'm educated. I went to school. I love school. I love education. I think you need to educate yourself and uh, read a book. Maybe you don't have a chance to go to school, but you need to learn. You need to experience. You need to read books. You need to read the Bible. You need to expand your horizons. I'm all for that. But I'm saying as a Christian, it goes deeper than just mental ascent. You've got to experience it as well. There is an experiential touch that goes with it as well. Amen. And when and when he had the experiential touch, the Bible says, and he looked up, he looked up and saw all things clearly. Amen. Amen. So what do I want you to see from this story tonight? I want you to see that number one, that God works in stages. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged about your spiritual life, about your growth level. God works in stages. And you know what's so awesome about that? I may be at a different stage than you. That's okay. You should never compare your stages with somebody else. Never compare your stages with somebody else. The only time that you should be worried is if you're not growing at all and you're not going in the right direction. You see, what, what did the Lord say to the Zechariah? Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise it. Listen, inch by inch, as long as you're in the right direction. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So number one, God works in stages. Number two, it matters what direction that you're in. You've got to be brought out of the curse, be brought out of the city. Number three, there's two touches that God wants to do. He He wants to intellectually touch you. He wants to experientially touch you. They're both equally important, both equally important, very important that we have it. Paul was an educated man, but he still had an experience with the Lord. Peter was uneducated, but yet you see him uh, becoming educated. You see him uh, conversing with the master. You see him conversing in scripture. So, so there has to be an intermingling between word and spirit, word and spirit. There has to be an intellectual touch and also an experiential touch. And that is why Pentecostalism is is growing around the world. The Pentecostal church is not some church on, on, on in the back any longer. You know, when I was growing up, uh, Pentecostalism was looked at as those those weird people that hang from the chandeliers and roll on the floor. We were looked at as you know uh, weird. You know we we had storefront churches and we acted weird and we were shunned. But folks, that's not the story nowadays. Some of the world's largest churches are Pentecostal. We are in the front now. We are the we are right in the front. Pentecostalism is celebrated because people know that it is real. People just don't want to read about it. They want to experience it. And I pray tonight that as you read the scriptures, you are reminded tonight that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that there's not an amen at the book of Acts, at the end of the book of Acts, that the acts of the Holy Spirit is still operative in the church. The same Jesus that did it then is the same Jesus that will do it now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Amen. So those are things that I want you to remember. Those are some of the things I want you to look as you look at the life principles of Mark chapter number eight. Amen.